your scriptures with you this morning. Let's turn to Ephesians, the chapter. Ephesians, the fifth chapter. Let's start verse 6. Six through nine. I connect two weeks ago, and prevalent uh, is beauty. Verse six: Let no one deceive you with empty words. For because of these things, the wrath of God comes upon the sons of disobedience. Therefore, do not become partners with them. For at one time you were darkness. children of light. Verse 9. This is the center. For the fruit of the light is found in all that is good, right, and true. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Gracious Heavenly Fathers, we come this morning. Father, we, we read these words and we see before us there's beauty in them because in us resides the pray, Father, this morning that as we go through these few verses, that you enliven our lives. Father, there's people here with many different varied needs this morning, and your word works in all our lives. I pray your Holy Spirit be present, that you lead us. Manna from heaven is a this truth today. Help us, Father, as we consider this truth about in that driveway right over there that I took off of. To my mom's house near Sedalia, Missouri, for several years ago. It's 1,065 miles. Right? You leave in the dark, you get there in the dark. And if you're really in a hurry, you can make it in 14 hours and 12 minutes. Okay? 14? No, no, no. 14 hours and 12 minutes. That's the best I 15 hours on the way back. And I'm not to say that, that but anything that like a time of solace for me. I'll have more to say about that later, but I, I can listen. I listen to a 15-hour audio book in one stretch, okay? Um, but uh, one of the things I've noticed is that as I age, my eyes age, and I can't see as well. Have you ever noticed on different cars, like older cars, I've got a 2013 Camry, and the headlights on that car are like yellow. You ever notice that? And these newer cars have got really bright headlights, and it's like in the nighttime when you you're traveling with a bunch of those around you, uh, you know, you got to deal with all that. Some cars have um, bright headlights, some cars have very dim headlights. 
but it's the light by which we can see at night to drive. And of course, it's deer season. And the obvious reason that you want to see is so that you don't hit a deer, right? And I think that for me, it was more trusting God than it was my headlights because my headlights were getting so bad on my Camry. But this passage this morning is central on light. Did you read that there with me? In verse 9, for the fruit of the light is found in all that is good and true. We were as a people darkness, but now we are light. We are the light. So how brightly do you shine for God? That becomes the question. How bright of a light are we? Now, I, there's a good joke here, right? There's some pretty dim lights among us, me being one, right? I'm not talking about that style and that manner of light. What I'm talking about is the light of God that we reflect because of the love of God that we have. The greatest light, beloved, is the glory of God. Bible leaves no stone unturned to tell us that, that the greatest light is the glory of God. And Paul says in Acts 26, 13, that it outshines the sun. I can't imagine a light that outshines the sun, but God's glory is Shekinah glory that the Old Testament and New Testament both alike talk about, outshines the noonday sun. For Paul on his road to Damascus, uh, recounting his his uh, testimony and witness of his conversion to King Agrippa as a testimony for his life, he said, it was at midday, O King, I saw a light from heaven brighter than the sun. Can you imagine that? I mean, like those are the headlights I need on my camera. I could see every deer. In fact, the deer would just like be disintegrated in front of me. Because that's what God's glory does. If we Look into Isaiah chapter 6. We see Isaiah say, Lo is me, for I'm done. If we go to Daniel, we see Daniel falling as though he was dead before the glory of the Lord. If we go to the book of Revelation and listen to John, he fell as though dead on his feet because of the glory of the risen Lord Jesus Christ. It is the brightness and the glory of God. It is his holiness, his perfection that the scripture is talking about. That's the light. That's the light that was greater than the sun that Paul experienced that made him blind for a time. Moses experienced this. Turn with me to Exodus chapter 33 this morning. Of course, keep your finger in Ephesians as we turn to Exodus 33. Show me your glory. Because, beloved, what I'm going to connect here, it is the glory of God that in the light of our lives as we live them here that produces fruit this passage in Ephesians says it produces fruit the fruit of the light is everything that is good, right and true does that sound familiar? you ever heard my words true, good and beautiful that Christians are to be and go after and do all that is true and good and beautiful and do it all for the glory of God because when we do that, that's the fruit we produce living Christian lives. So I want to connect that to God's glory, but I also want to connect that to the wisdom that we talked about a couple weeks ago. You remember my definition for wisdom? Do you remember? The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Thank you for that. Wisdom. 
Wisdom is the ability to take the knowledge that you have and apply it to reality in such a way that it causes you to flourish as a human being. Yeah, you remember now. I know. I, I see you. That's okay. That's why we go over it. I've been over it a lot of times in my life. That's what wisdom is, but wisdom becomes light in God's life. When we reflect the glory of God, the way that he made us, wisdom becomes light, and that light comes from That wisdom, as we live that out in the world, other people see God's glory in us. Okay? That's where we're at. I just want to show you Moses here real quick. Exodus 33, I hope you're there by now. Let's begin in verse 12, because well, let me just leave a little bit of a trail of where we're at here. Moses has been commanded to leave Sinai, and uh, uh, he, he is leading the people, the Israelite people, and God has uh, dropped the Israelite people because of their sins uh, in building the golden calf story, which is just a couple bits, one, one chapter. God says, I'm just going to wipe them off the face of the earth and create for you a new people to lead into the promised land. Or I'm not going to go with you, God says. Moses says, I can't do that. I can't go without your glory. It's your presence, your glory that makes this worthwhile doing, makes it worth doing, makes life worth living. Moses, verse 12, said to the Lord, See, you say to me, bring up this people, but you have not let me know whom you will send with me, yet you have said, I know you by name, and you have also found favor in my sight. Verse 13, now therefore, if I have found favor in your sight, please show me now your ways, so that I may, and that's God's laws and commands, right? That I may know you in order to know you. That is why now we receive God's glory. It comes through God's law, his commandments, and his statutes. And when we are filled with God's law, commandments, and statutes, and his wisdom, his light shines in us that I may know you in order to find favor in your sight. Consider, too, that this nation is your people. And he said, My presence will go with you, and I will give you rest. And he said to him, If your presence will not go with me, do not bring us up. For how shall it be known that I have found favor in your sight, I and your people? Is it not your going with us, so that we are a distinct people, I and your people from other people on the face of the what, God, what Moses is asking God to do is not withhold his glory, to not withhold his presence, and his presence is the same as his glory. And I, we pray that all the time. But I don't want to get off on a rabbit trail here this morning because I'm coaching on it. But when I was at the hospital Friday and, and Albert was spending his last few hours on this earth and he was suffering from the cancer and he was going through everything, he was fighting so hard, and his wife was there and his 31-year-old son was there. just with God's presence in our deepest hardest places that we We want his glory there because it's in his glory. It's, we, we get his hope. We get his promises. We get, we get in strengthened. We get strengthened to the point where we can go through the hardest things in this life if God will just go with us. And that's what Moses is saying. We're not even a people if you don't bring with us your presence and your glory. Verse 17 and the Lord said to Moses, this very thing that you have spoken, I will do, for you have found favor in my sight, and I know you by name. Moses said, please, show me your glory. And he said, I will make all of my goodness pass before you and will proclaim before you my name, the Lord, and I will be gracious to whom I will be gracious and will show mercy on whom I will show mercy. 
But he said, you can't see my face. A man can't see me like that. A man can't stand in the presence of God without the presence of Jesus Christ. So what happened? God passed before Moses. You see that there? Verse 20, but he said, you cannot see my face, for the man shall not see me and live. And that explains how Paul was struck blind, struck down. How John was struck dead on his feet. How Daniel was struck dead on his feet. Verse 21, and the Lord said, behold, there is a place by me where you shall stand in a rock. And while my glory passes by, I will put you in the cleft of the rock, and I will cover you. I cover you so that you will not be consumed by my glory. So that you will not die. Just turn up to chapter 50, Exodus 34, beginning in verse 29. God's glory, even though Moses was just privy to a small amount of it. Verse 29, chapter 34. When Moses came down from the Mount Sinai with the two tablets of testimony in his hand, as he came down from the mountain, Moses did not know that the skin of his face was shown because he had been talking with God. He had been in God's presence and God's presence. He was so involved with God's law and the giving of God's law and the goodness of God in the law, both in nature and in the covenant, that Moses' face, because he was in the presence of God, shone. You see that? Verse 30, Aaron and all the people of Israel saw this on Moses, and behold, the skin of his face shone, and they were afraid to come near him. <laughs> My goodness. But Moses called to them, and Aaron and all the leaders of the congregation returned to him, and Moses talked to them. Afterward, all the people of Israel came near, and he commanded them all that the Lord had spoken with him on Mount Sinai. That is, the laws and the commandments and the statutes that and when Moses had finished speaking with them, he put a veil over his face. That's God's glory, beloved. That's God's glory. Back to Ephesians. God's glory is that glory, which is his perfection. And we can see that glory today, though we don't see the visible presence of God. We can see it in his laws and in his commandments. And we can see it in Christians because Christians, as are all human beings, are made in whose image? The Imago Dei. John Calvin told us, learned this from his reading of Scripture, and it's beautiful. Um, he connected with this glory of God to the Imago Dei, which is the image of God that's written on every man. He stated that it's like a mirror, in that when God looks upon you, he looks upon you as a mirror that you reflect back to him his glory, his light. You see that? And the reflection and the amount of glory that you reflect back to God has to do with the amount of light that you're putting out. And this is where wisdom and light come together with God's law. He looks upon you as a mirror, just living this. When you look at your child, and your child does something that is pleasing to you, that you've taught your child, you look at that child as he goes through life, maybe he's grown a little bit older, you know, Liz and I have kind of had this experience now, it's, it's an amazing thing, some of you have got younger children, 
you go, oh, I wish you wouldn't act so much like me, right? But it's just a thing you do as a parent. When your child does something you've taught them to do, right? They reflect back, reflect back to you your glory. They've gone out into the world. They've listened to what your teaching is, and they've done that, and you're glorified in that. In other words, they act like you. That's what my mom said. I acted like my mom. She always said that when she was mad at me. Don't get that part. Anyway, they act like you. And the more that they act like you and reflect the good from you, the more glory you receive in that, right? The pride you take in that. That's my little boy. He did that. No, that's his mom's. Because he shouldn't be doing that, right? That's how it works with God. example of this, if you're in Ephesians, turn to the right. It's four books to the book of Hebrews. Now if you go to Peter, you've gone too far. Come back to Hebrews. Chapter 1. Because there's a great example here as well. Hebrews chapter God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his son. That's Jesus, whom he appointed the heir of all things. Through. Appointed the heir of all things. Through whom also he created the world. In other words, when, make no mistake here, when God spoke, it was the word that carried it out. Jesus is that word. He is the word that created the world. All things in Colossians, it says, made by him and exists through him and for him and to him and he holds all things together. What does God say about his son? This is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. Why was he well pleased? Because the son perfectly reflected the father. See that there in verse 3? He is the radiance of the glory of God. When the Son lived the way the Father wanted to, that most glorified the Father and most glorified the Son. Do you see the joy that takes place there? This is the good work of the law and the work of God, is that when we do what God wants us to do, when God has called us to do, because we know His law and His word, not only is it a joy for us to do that, because we have the blessing of human flourishing, but it glorifies God. What was my definition of wisdom? To apply the knowledge you have, to reality in such a manner that it causes human flourishing and glorifies God. See that? How do you know what God wants you to do? How do you know where it becomes wisdom? Because you know the laws of God. You know the God that wants you to. And that's where it becomes life. Because as you live that life, you are reflecting the one you live for back to the Lord. See that? Everything that is true, good, and beautiful is the fruit of the vine. That's all. That's it. Jesus is the example extraordinaire uh, of this work. And he is the one that we're being made into. Verse 3 says he is the radiance of the glory of God. If 
I jump to 2 Corinthians 4, you don't need to go there. Let me just read verse 6. For God who said, let the light shine out of the darkness has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. There's more light, more glory, more knowledge. You see those coming together? You see those coming together. That means more truth is producing. So Adam had that light. And we go back to Ephesians now in the fifth chapter. And we stick with our verses because I don't want to get too far out. We're going to go back to the fifth chapter of the book of Ephesians. And we're going to pick it up there. Let no one deceive you with empty words. Because of these things, the wrath of God. This is verse 6, by the way. I'm sorry. Let no one deceive you with empty words, for because of these things the wrath of God comes upon the sons of disobedience. Verse 7, therefore don't, don't partner with them. Listen, this explains why we are darkness today and not pure light. When Adam was created, Adam was imprinted with the law of God upon him in such a way that he was in a state of perfection. Now, he could choose to sin, but for a time he did not sin. There was no darkness in him. And in that time, he lived in a state of perfection in the garden, a state of innocence there in the garden. He had a perfect relationship with his wife. Can one man in here raise his hand and say that you've got a perfect relationship with your wife? He did. It was perfect. Remember when he saw her? He had a perfect relationship with God. He had a, a relationship that didn't have sin's interference in it. So everything, and we look back to Adam to understand this, everything that Adam would have done at that time before the fall was complementary to the one who created him, shine back the glory to his world. We can learn so much from that. But just a couple things that I want to hit you with here. The law of nature was written on Adam, and the law of the covenant was written on Adam. The law of the covenant was written on Adam, and you know what the covenant was. God said, be fruitful, right? Multiply, fill, subdue the earth, and have dominion over what happened. Verses 6 and 7 happened. Don't be deceived. Who deceived Adam? The great deceiver. What did he deceive him with? He deceived him with lies because he was a liar and a murderer from the beginning. He, In fact, he lies so that he can murder you. And he lied to Eve so that he could murder our first parents and he could bring darkness into the world. And that's exactly what he brought into the world. Note with me in the book of Ephesians Verse 8. Paul says, For at one time you were darkness, but now you are light. Paul does not say you have some darkness in you. Paul does not say you've been affected by the darkness. Paul does say that you are darkness in your lost condition. In other words, everything that's wrong with the world, all of the sin, all of the evil, all of the things that take place that, that, that uh, uh, robs glory from God and gives glory to Satan, that's what you were. That's how ultimately all-encompassing sin is. It's our very nature outside of Christ. We are darkness. And because verse 9 is there, there was no fruit the darkness. The fruit of darkness is death, disease, and destruction. That's who we were. It was the very fabric of who we were. In the fall, Adam could no longer follow God's law. He could no longer please God by following the statutes and commandments because he was in sin. And because of that, he could no longer be in the presence of God 
and Adam was put out of the garden. He broke the covenant promises. The covenant promises were, if you follow my law, you will live eternally. Adam broke those promises. But now he says, we are light. We're not a little bit of light. We don't have some light in us. But that we are light. We were the dark. We are light. What happened? The one who is light, the light of the world, has saved us, has taken the darkness out of us by taking our sin to the cross of Calvary. Yes, he did. Yes. Jesus came and took all of the darkness from all of God's life and he put it away once and for all. So no longer are we dark, but now we're light. It's not just a little bit of light. And it's not that there's some light in us. Beloved, you and I are light. And I would have you know that we're the only light in this world. And this, beloved, is where blessings and cursings are found. Turn with me to Deuteronomy chapter 28. Deuteronomy chapter 28. Okay, it's in Deuteronomy you see this. Beginning at verse 1, but do you see the division, heading divisions between verse 1 and verse 15? You may not have it in your Bible. But verse 1, the heading is blessings for obedience. Verse 15, the heading is cursings for disobedience. Do you see that? I hope your Bible has those in church. These are called the blessings and cursings. This is what Adam could have had but lost because he sinned. But this is what we have because of Christ taking our darkness away in the blood of his cross. Blessings and cursings. Now what is the mode by which we receive the blessings and cursings? It is God's law. It is the mode by which we reflect God's glory. It begins in Christ after our sins are forgiven, but then as we live in God's law and his commandments, we live in blessings and obedience, and we produce fruit in this world that other people cannot produce. And if you faithfully obey, verse 1, chapter 28, the voice of the Lord, your God, being careful to do all his commandments that I command you today, the Lord your God will set you high above all the nations of the earth. What did Jesus say when he came? I did not come to abolish the law, but to fulfill the law. It's in Christ that we can fulfill the law. It's in Christ that we can have Adam's blessing of blessing God through reflecting his glory more purely. Verse 2, and all these blessings shall come upon you and overtake you if you obey the voice of the Lord your God. Blessed shall you be in the city. Blessed shall you be in the field. Verse 4. Blessed shall be the fruit of your womb and the fruit of your ground and the fruit of your cattle, the increase of your herds and the young of the flock. Verse 5. Blessed shall you be your basket, your kneading bowl. Blessed shall you be when you come in and blessed shall you be when you go out. The Lord will cause, verse 7, all your enemies who rise against you to be defeated. Do you see that? For obedience, the blessings come. For disobedience, beginning in verse 15. But if you will not obey the voice of the Lord your God or be careful to do all his commandments and his statutes that I command you today, then all of the curses shall come upon you and overtake you. 
Cursed shall be in the city, and cursed shall be in the field. Cursed shall be your basket, your kneading bowl. Cursed shall be the fruit of your womb. Sounds like market like to me, doesn't it? Blessings and cursings, dark and light. Turn with me just your fourth book away from it, Joshua chapter 1. At the end of Deuteronomy begins Joshua. Listen to me. Adam broke the law of the covenant. Because of that, he plunged the whole human race into sin. Jesus fulfilled the law of the covenant. Because of that, I can boldly affirm Because of this law of nature that's written on our hearts, that when we do God's law, we will be blessed and we will be cursed if we don't. It's the law of nature that says that I'm to love my wife as the Lord Jesus Christ loved the church. You know what? When I do that, that's where I find my greatest joy in God and human flourishing exists for me and where God is most glorified. You see that? That's the law of nature that God wrote. And when I love my wife that way, get ready to come up with this in Ephesians 5. I'm a light to this world and it produces fruit for those who can see it. There are so many benefits from following God's law, and you're able to follow God's law and glorify Him. Listen to the book of Joshua. This is kind of a long passage to read, but I want to read it for you. It's beginning in verse 1. Uh, it says, After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses, Moses' assistant, verse 2, Moses, my servant, is dead. And you guys might have seen this pattern in Scripture. As one leader dies or is moved out of the picture, God has already prepared somebody else to take up the leading. Now, therefore, he says, Arise, go over this Jordan, you and all the people, into the land that I'm giving to them, to the people of Israel. In other words, this blessing that God had blessed and promised to Abraham, that you will have a seed, and that seed shall be as numerous as the stars of the sky and as the grains of sand on the seashore and we'll give you a place where there's uh, it's a land flowing with milk and honey the promise of the seed, the promise of the land is the promise of the blessings of the covenant fulfilled in Christ the ones that Adam forgave whenever he sinned have been brought back in Christ in our obedience to the law. Verse 3, every place that the sole of your foot will tread upon I'm giving it to you just as I promised to Moses. From the wilderness and this Lebanon as far as the great river, the river Euphrates if any of you all want to get into this today, uh, you can look at the skirmish that's going on, and I don't mean to demean it, but you can look at the skirmish that's going on right now in the Holy Land and see why, because it's it was given to the people. From the wilderness, verse 4, this Lebanon, as far as the great river, the river Euphrates, and all the land of the Hittites, to the great sea toward the going down the sun, shall be your territory. Let me just rephrase that and say it's a great land flowing with it's a vast land. It's a productive land. It is the land that I've set aside for you. In fact, in Scripture, it's meant to show us that it's the coming land that we will receive in heaven. Verse 5. No man is going to be able to stand before you, Joshua, all the days of your life. So just like I was with Moses, I will be with you. I will never leave you nor forsake you. Be strong and courageous for you will 
do your obedience, your work in this, you and your leadership will cause his people to inherit this land that I swore to their fathers to give them. Listen to the conditions. Only be strong and very courageous. Is he talking about physical strength here? Sure, he is. Joshua had to be a great warrior, but he's also talking about fortitude, mental strength, and the ability to do something right just because it's right. That's what fortitude is, because you know in your heart what God wants you to do, even though everything presents the opposite. You walk in that direction. Joshua, I want you to act like that, right? And that's where your blessings are going to be, and that's where the power of God comes in. Verse 7, only be strong and very courageous, being careful to do according to all the Moses, my servant, commanded you. It's the law that Moses brought down from Sinai. It's the one that made his face shine. It's the one that reveals God's glory to us today. That same law that's written on your hearts and in your mind. Makes your knowledge and wisdom crystal clear. That light is the says, do not turn from it, it being connected to you. Not to your right hand or to the left so that you will have what? Good success. Wherever you go, this book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night. How many of you read our scriptures? How often do you read yours? So that you may be careful to do what to all that is written within it. For then you will make for then you will make your way prosperous. And then you will have good success. Have I not commanded you be strong and courageous? Do not be frightened. And do not be dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you shall go. Now back to verse 9, Ephesians 5. It's in this. The fruit of the light. You see it? Verse 9. For the fruit of the light is found in all that is good, perfect, and true. Here's a single proposition that will suss out this for you. If the fruit of the light is all that is good, right, and true, then believers, as that light, are all that is true, good, and perfect. You see that? What would happen tomorrow if God... What would happen tomorrow if God took all the Christians out of this world? Total darkness. Thank you. Right? It's inconceivable. All the light that is in this world has come and has came from Christians. And it's came from Christians doing what? What they want to do? Well, you can kind of say yes to that. But it's only because they want to do what their Heavenly Father wants them to do in Jesus Christ. They want to follow God's law. They want to follow God's commandments. They want to follow His statutes. Why? Because that's where they prosper. That's where the light shines. That's where God makes life worth living. That's where your joy comes from. That's where your wisdom is. That's where your light is. That's where you glorify your Heavenly Father who's in heaven. That's where victories are won. That's where death is overcome. That is where 
the rubber meets the road, beloved. Huh? Just a little story for an illustration. When I left, uh, I used these trips. Like I said, I had 15 hours in the car. And to some of you, you may go, you're fool, you're crazy. To me, that's the most peaceful time ever. On the way out, I listened to like seven sermons. <laughs> and it's, it's like I totally nerd out on that. But it also gives me time to reflect. And I and I thought about it. I thought, told my wife, I said, you know, with everything we've got to do, I don't have time to do this. But I promised a 20-year-old, my son, that his dad would go home. And I know that the Lord is working in those things. And I know that he needed it. And I know that I needed it, although I didn't know what I was going to do. So it was on that trip and during that time that I had a lot of time to think to myself about other things. And I think to myself, you know, is it worth it? Is all the money that uh, we're spending, is all the time that we're putting into things, is all that worth it? Is it worth it? Because... And I'll use the illustration of the man working later this week. Hector came down, and he was here Thursday, Friday, and Kevin was here. I don't know if Kevin was this morning. I haven't seen him. But some of the other men came together. Harvey was here. And I know we have the other men that came all summer that mow the yard. You know, those things don't pay you in, in wages, real wages, that we need to buy bread with. Right? Those are all things that we're doing for a different reason. And I know that Hector needs to be at work, but yet he gave up a couple days kind of lead a ragtag crew to paint some windows and do a few things. You know, and those are the things that reflect back glory to God, ultimately. Those are the things that bring fruit. That's the fruit of the light in the world. Things that are not necessarily for you, so they are all worth it. Every time, every minute you spend giving some type of glory back to God for the things that he's given you will be worth it to you in the end, I promise you. No matter how much it personally cost you, no matter how much money you could have made staying at work, no matter how great you think you need for your retirement account, if you'll use it for what the Lord is calling you to do to be faithful to him in his law and in his word, he will be glorified and you will find your joy there. And I, you get so tired. You get, it's the human part of us that goes, man, I, I probably shouldn't be. I should just give up. I've had those moments. I think that's where Satan wants us, right? I told my son that's when we need to wait just another day because usually it gets better, right? So when I got back, 15-hour drive back Wednesday, it was like 8 o'clock. I'd fought Baltimore traffic for an hour and 10 minutes coming in on I-70 and coming up on 695. Man, I wish I would have had some bright lights on. That's okay. But I'm wondering all these things, right? And Thursday morning, I get to the school for opening. I'm down there every morning at 8.30 because that's when the kids go. It's a blessed time. They all come running across the room. <laughs> so they were doing all that. And from across the parking lot, I heard Little Scott. She's in the first grade. Little Skyler has suffered horribly from dyslexia. Okay? And we've been working with my girl back home, Victoria. Bless her heart. She is so smart. 
trying to get the right thing so this Skyler could learn to get over, get through her dyslexia. And Skyler didn't know this, but while I was gone, my wife called and told me she came and read her first reader to me. But when she saw me all the way across the parking lot, her little arms, Pastor Tim, Pastor Tim, I've learned how to read, I've learned how to read, I can read. city set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but they put it on a stand and it gives light to Gracious Heavenly Fathers, we come to you this Thank you for your life you called us to. Thank you for the ministry in Pennsville, New Jersey. Father, forgive us because we want to give up. It's just because we forget who we serve that you put together all these little bits and pieces and you get glory from them. Help us in our obedience to not give up, strengthen our weakened hands. Let us march on to win the victory. Let us say with all confidence that the Lord reigns omnipotent. He's the Lord of our lives, His church is alive. Father, help us to experience.